Awesome guys, um, some of you know, man, that's been a, I don't know, I, I probably can't count the amount of tears that have came out me praying that single prayer, and it's not on me, it's, you know, I put that, I put that, I put that burden on the Lord, you know, because uh, there's nothing I can do anyway, all I can do is display Christ in my daily life, and just, you know, be the follower of Jesus that he's created me to be, well, oh man, it's awesome, I just want to take a second, and I want all of you guys to do this too. Just exalt the Lord for what He's done in your life. If, if, you've, if you've had family members become saved, all right? If you've seen healings, no matter what it is, there's nothing small. There's nothing small. To see God's hand work anywhere in your life is something that should just be awe-inspiring. All right? I never see the hand of God move. If it's just a little heart change I see in somebody, I never see His hand move and, and I'm not completely just like, like awe-inspiring, guys. Uh, guys, so just exalt Jesus right now in your heart. I'm going to take a second. I'm going to set this down. I'm going to set the microphone down. I'm going to exalt him for what he's done in my life, for what I just witnessed. So let's just give it a second. And go ahead and prepare your offerings, guys. I don't know if he said it. These middle two are going to be for the building, and the other, the outside ones are for the general offering. So as you prepare that, just thank Jesus for what he's done in your life. Real quick, guys. Okay. Now, don't forget about it. Always be grateful for what he's done, guys. But realize, every day he's trying to do something new. All right? Don't forget about what he's done. Be grateful, but kind of forget about it. Okay? He wants to do something new. Okay? Don't, don't, we don't need to sit on what he's done. I could stop and my mom. I could just say, all right, mom saved Biggest prayer answered, sweet, now what? You know, and I could get comfortable, I could get complacent, but I'm not. Because I know that there's bigger things than my mom getting baptized. There's bigger things than your family getting saved. There's bigger things than your friends getting saved that he wants to do in your life. And that's every one of you. That's not just me. That's every one of us. Man, he's got big things for us, guys. Big things. Biggest thing is love. He loves us all, and he wants us to abide in him. Okay, be rooted in Jesus. That's what I keep hearing. Rooted in me. Rooted in me. Rooted in me. And I've got a couple of scriptures I want to share too, real quick. Um, but do not rest on what he's done, God. He's done. He has done miraculous, wonderful things in each one of our lives, guys. But that's nothing on what he wants to do. More than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. Exponentially more. Is what he wants to do in each one of our lives. Now imagine if, there's probably what, 150, 200 people here. If every one of us get captivated by that fact. Not that idea, that fact. That he wants to do something major in each one of our lives. Man, what's going to happen? Internalize that. Make it your own. Okay? He's got destiny, purpose, legacy for each one of us. Oh, embrace that. Make it your own, guys, because we can change this world. We can change this county. And Jesus Christ can be known in all the earth, starting here, starting with these couple hundred people. We'll just internalize that. Make it your reality. Live that thing out. Embrace what he's done in your life, but be more excited about what he wants to do, guys. Not on what he's done, what he's going to do. 
All right. And as far as being rooted, that's that's key, guys. And just meditate on a couple of these scriptures. That's what I'm going to end with, scripture. That's what I want you guys to have on your heart when I'm done talking. Are these couple of scriptures, not what I say. All right, the first one is, it's Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 9. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green. And shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Amen, you guys. And there's one more, and it's in Colossians. Colossians 2.7. You guys are so beautiful. You are. Except for this one over here with the accent. Where's <laughs> I love you, bro. You know I love you, man. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> Rooted in Christ Jesus. All right. Colossians 2, verses 6, 7. I'm going to go all the way through 10. All right. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Always be thankful. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Bless you guys. I'm going to pray over the offering now. Are you guys ready? All right. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for this fellowship. We thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power and your love that just works peace and joy in our lives, Lord. I just ask that peace and joy and love will be multiplied in every heart here and every life here. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing behind the scenes, that you're answering prayers, that your ears hear our prayers, Lord, and you love us. And it's your burning desire to give us our heart's desire, Lord. So I just pray right now over this offering lord i thank you for your provision in our lives i thank you for your provision that allows us just to be able to give even a dollar so i ask lord that you would speak to us with what you want us to give this morning i pray that you would multiply this offering and you would anoint this offering to set out and do your work lord jesus we just honor you and we exalt you today lord jesus in your holy name we pray amen well i've got a couple things we got to go after today you guys good and um, I'll begin, I don't know who sent me this, but I'm going to try to read it. It's maybe we'll just say author anonymous, okay? But he says, there's no revival where there's no prayer. What America needs today more than able statesmen in politics is men and women to get desperately Determined and in earnest to have God work in revival power and to take hold of the Lord in an agony of insistent and persistent prayer. Our one solemn concern in these days of waning national allegiance and threatened revolutions should be to give ourselves the faithful, constant, prevailing prayer for our land. Hold your hours of prayer with an iron grasp. Let the people of God everywhere in America recognize the tremendous power of prayer and mobilize and organize their forces at this strategic point, and our country will be swept 
out of this present crisis into a great religious revival. And I say yes and amen to that anonymous author, whoever that was that sent that. And I was thinking this morning, you know, Rick's book, Rick Joyner's book, The Army of the Dawn. If you've never read it, you may want to get a copy. But in that book, he talks about how our gatherings, our, our mobilizations, they're ways to come together and get prepared because we are really in a great conflict. It's the greatest cause that there's ever been to be a believer in this, in this hour. And... Um, you know, it's just a simple thing we're called to do. Just turn an upside-down world right side up. I mean, just simple, right? No, it's impossible. But it's possible with Him. And God is doing it, and He's using people like you and, and like me. Now, this morning, I want to go and cover two different bases. We do that from time to time. And the first one, I want to engage you. I'm, you know, the Lord said, My house will be called a house of what? For all nations. And uh, we, our nation is in desperate need of prayer. And uh, we are really on time. Every one of us. You look at the person next to you and say, you are in this world right on time. Just look at somebody. You're here for a purpose. And um, it's going to be made more and more known. You know, as the church, just a little review. We talk about these kind of things. And when in just a moment, we're going to pray and I'm going to engage you. And then I'll share something really quickly after. But as the church, we are, first of all, we're servants of the king, right? Secondly, we're sons of God. To many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons, even, you know, children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And there were also soldiers of the cross. I mean, if you know, you're a soldier. You're in the army now. And that's part of being a Christian in the songs we were singing this morning. You know, there's that warfare nature. That's why he says you, you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But you're not wrestling alone. How many of you know that? If God is on your side, then you're a majority. And we're called to be overcomers. That's who he's coming for, if you haven't noticed. Remember the book of Revelation. To them that overcome... And so you don't have a choice. You got to be among the overcoming crowd. I remember January the 1st of this year, going out early, taking my dog outside, use the bathroom, whatever. I do that early in the morning. We, he stays in our little basement. And I told you how I heard, you know, these church bells. I don't often hear them, but I did that morning. And the song was Onward Christian Soldiers. And I, you know, the Lord spoke in my heart and said, that is a word for this year. You are a soldier. And, uh, you know, one thing in the book, of, you know, one of those, and we often talk about it, in the lake of fire, before Satan is cast into the lake of fire, who else does he throw in there first? Cowards. It's not a time to be a coward. Not a time to shrink back. We're not going to shrink back. But we're going to rise up and... Um, I was thinking, you know, some of the verses of that song. It, one of the verses, it says, At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where saints have trod. And so we are sons, or we're servants, we're sons, we're soldiers. And how I many of you know we're also the saints? We're the saints. He's going to come with 10,000 of his saints. But we're also the saints summoned to this hour. And... Um, 
when I, I think I've shared this story, but when I was in seminary in New Orleans, they came to our school, some of the Methodist churches, because I guess they didn't have enough young men, so they interviewed some of us to be youth pastors and uh, I, in a Methodist church. And so anyway, I got to be at Gretna United Methodist Church, and uh, it was right across, if you know where the Greater New Orleans Bridge is, those of you, how many of you know where Greater New Orleans Bridge, some of you know, and the Superdome is right off to the left, downtown New Orleans. And so, anyway, that was the time when the saints were known as the Aints. And there were a lot of empty seats. And there were a lot of people at my church who didn't want to go, so they would offer me their tickets. Well, I think, what did I have to do on a Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I'd go back to the dorm, and um, I didn't want to study, you know, I'd just go back and do something else. So anyway, I'd take their tickets, sure, man, free, I, you bet. In those days, what did they cost? All of $10, $12, today they're... Hundred and who knows how many dollars. But anyway, I'd go. I still got some of those tickets because I got more than I could use. You know, when you're just you, you can only use one. So I'd, but I'd go and and people would wear bags on their heads in the Superdome, literally, the ain'ts, and they would have the ain'ts. Well, how many of you know you cannot be an ain't in this hour? Got to take the bags off. We are the saints of the Most High God, and uh, we've got to we've got to live like it. You got to be engaged, and you are engaged. I know you are. If you're not, you're going to be engaged this morning, because I'm going to encourage you to be engaged. Because there's a lot of stuff going on right now. I had to uh, repent this week. Last week, I I made a comment about California. I said, if they want to succeed, just let them go. And that grieved me all week. The Holy Spirit said, that's not my plan. <laughs> it's, that's not. That may have been your flesh. It's not my plan. And so anyway, I repented, and, and he's got a great purpose. So we're going to pray, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Let me tell you, it's more than about immigration, way more. That's just a, uh, you know, the outward appearance. It's more than about sanctuary cities. It's about the soul of our nation. It's about souls in our nation. That's what it's ultimately about. It's about the destiny of the souls of the people that live in our nation. And the only institution, there's only one institution that can really change things. Which one do you think that is? It's not the one in Washington, D.C. Now, they can have a good impact. They can turn us loose and, and uh, cover the church, but it's the church. And uh, Daniel 11:32, those who know their God, say know their God. You know, they're going to be strong and carry out great exploits. But if you read that in context, right before it, it says, The wicked shall do wickedly. And so there's going to be an increase of wickedness. And at the same time, the saints are going to rise up and do great exploits. you got to look at your neighbor again. Because I want you, when people come here, I want them to get it. Because they may never come again. You know, they just may slip in once. But look at your neighbor and say, You are called. Look them in the eyes. Say, You are called. To do great exploits, great works for the kingdom of God. So we know that while there's been a lot of hope and things changing and things that are amazing, the CIA director said our only hope is Jesus Christ. I mean, stuff like that is mind-boggling. You know, it's really mind-boggling. I wish I could go to my dad. I wish I could wake him up out of the grave dead. Do you know what's happened to the CIA? You know what I mean. But he's in that great cloud of witnesses, so I can. You know, Dad, you told me 
about the CIA, and I didn't believe you. But guess what God is doing now? It's an amazing time. It's a great adventure. Can you believe we get to get in on this? I, you know, I, have to, I tell Shirley I have to pinch myself all the time. I'm in ministry. But, you know, the greatest calling is to be a son of God or a daughter, a son or a daughter, be a child of God. And we get to get in on this day. It is absolutely amazing. Now, I want you to see this. I'm still in part one, okay? Part two will go quickly, but I've got to show you this stuff. So look over in Isaiah chapter 8. Say, Isaiah. You know, with some of this stuff, when I see it, it just, I say, God, how, how can you show me stuff like this? It's pretty amazing. Now look in verse 22, Isaiah 8, 22. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they'll be driven into darkness. Now you could stop right there if you wanted to and go home, but you would have a dreary Sunday afternoon. They will look trouble, gloom, darkness. And you know, when you look, that's what you see. But you don't stop there. How many of you are glad you don't have to stop there? All right, look in chapter 9. Nevertheless, verse 1. Aren't you glad for nevertheless? That's like a big but right there. You know, but nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when at first he lightly esteemed. You know, there are sometimes you look something at something at first. It looks really bad. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Looks awful at first, at first glance. But then when you see heaven's perspective, things change. I mean, if you know that, you got to get God's perspective. And he's talking, look in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness, they've seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And who was that light? Jesus. And you read the rest, we won't go there. But a child was born, a child was given, wonderful counselor. So it's all about Jesus. He's the light of the world. Well, guess who the light of the world is now? We are. He said you are the light of the world. You don't go, to, go out in life with a bag on your head with the word ain't. You're a saint of the Most High God. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How many of you know the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just like the water covers the sea? How's that going to happen? It's going to happen by the church making His glory known, doing great exploits, displaying His works. And it's an amazing time. Now, this week, I read a devotional. And um, in the devotional, this, the author had a vision. And then God showed me something in the Scripture, which He does often. But in the vision, she said she saw two floods, two rivers converging at an intersection at the same time coming together. One was obviously filled with chaos and confusion, and there were a lot of people in that river. The other river was a river that flowed softly and calmly, and there was stability and there was peace. And that, but those in the latter river were called to intersect and interact with the river of chaos. You understand what I'm saying? In other, in other words, we're to impact the people that are in this flood of chaos and confusion. We're not to run the other way. We're called to converge, intersect with them. The kingdom of God trumps the kingdom of chaos. And then she asked the Lord, Lord, what does this mean? And she said, the coming floods of both trouble and triumph are here. And you're seeing the latter rain before the harvest comes pouring in. So I thought about it. 
the flood or the river of trouble. You can see that. You can just turn on the news. And then, but there's a flood of triumph. And they're here at the same time. Now, wouldn't you know it? God showed me the scriptures that confirm that. And it just lit me up. That's the way God does. It just blows me away to see something out of the Word. To me, that's the highest standard of revelation. Somebody tells me their vision, it's okay, I'm excited. You show me from the Word and, it, and God makes it come alive, it's revelation. To me, that is the highest and the best. You can't outdo it. I don't care how, what kind of encounter you have. It is encountering Jesus, the living Word, to me, that's the highest. Does that make sense? But His Word is a lamp unto my feet, right? And what else is it? The light unto... You know, and here's something else totally amazing. Eight years ago, was it Flight 1549 that plunged into the Hudson River? Eight, now think about it. Eight years ago, this flight, Scully, Scullenberger, something like that. Yeah, he, a miracle on the Hudson. And you remember, now this was right after the presidential election. Or right before. Right before Okay, yeah, five days. We needed grace. So anyway, you remember there were these, the people on the plane got out and stood on the wings. And I remember saying, boy, people said, it looks like they're walking on the water. How many of you remember that? Some of you don't. You're too young. Can you remember eight years ago, Dylan? No, of course. Yeah, man, he's, he's, he's not as young as he looks. Anyway, so we remember. I remember saying that. And it's like it was a prophetic word. U.S. Air is going to crash land. It's going to be a miracle, but those that are standing on the Word will overcome. They'll survive. I remember, it, I think it came to pass. It was a miracle on the Hudson, the Word, the water of the Word. And so it is today. I believe, I don't know, somebody drilled this in me when I was a kid. I believe God's Word has an answer to every single situation you will ever face or think about facing. It may not have the specific details. It may have a principle that leads to the details, but it's in there. And often it'll have the details. Now look at Isaiah 8, verse 5. So God led me to this. So here, remember the vision. Two rivers converging together. Then the Lord also spoke to me again, saying, Inasmuch as these people refused... The waters of Shiloh that flow softly. In other words, they would have nothing to do with the river that was flowing with peace and softly. They refused. I, I don't want anything to do with that. They rejected it. So verse 7. Now therefore, behold, the Lord brings up over them the waters of the river, strong and mighty. You refuse the river that flows softly. God says, okay, you get in the one that's running the Euphrates. The one that's running overboard, the strong and mighty. Who's the king over that river is the king of Assyria. Now that's in the, that's in the book. Do you know ISIS, are, they're probably the descendants of Assyrian. If you read history, Assyria was wicked. You think ISIS is wicked. I couldn't even tell you the stuff the Assyrian army did I'll tell you, I won't tell you everything, but one thing, they were good at beheading. And they would, when they would behead people in one city, they would catapult the heads into the next city to create terror. They were like the original terrorist. Well, the devil's the original terrorist. But there's, I'm telling you, I don't know if you can see all this, but it's like God is saying, okay, there's a river whom God, 
whom will make glad the city of God. It's going to flow with peace and stability and protection. Because that word, that first river, is the symbol of, of God's protection, God's keeping power. Or you're going to get in another river of whom king, the king is the king of Assyria. Now you're going to have to fill in the blanks there. But it's, to me, it's pretty powerful. So look at this. That river is going to overflow. Verse 8, pass through the Judah. He will overflow and pass over. He will reach up to the neck and the stretching out of their wings, and fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. He's saying, O land, you had God with you, O Emmanuel, but you refused. You refused. There's some people that are refusing today. So what's going to happen? Be shattered. Oh, now here's a strategy for prayer. Be shattered, O you peoples, and be broken. Give ear, all you from far countries. Now you may think I'm stretching this. But when I saw that, I circled, I circled it and I thought, I wonder if that has anything to do with possibly the seven countries that we banned so we could maybe put on a wall and try to see if there are any terrorists involved. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, you don't have to go there. I'm just saying, I went there and I circled it. So anyway, they got into our country anyway. But look what he says, gird yourself up. In other words, you can shout all you want. You can make all the noise you want on the streets. Gird yourself up, but you're going to be broken in pieces. Gird yourself up, but be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand. For why? For God is with us. So I, I'm thinking about all this. God, could that be these two rivers? And it is. But a people have to rise up and pray and believe God that the council of the nations who have plotted against this nation, the council of the wicked, though they speak the word, it will come to nothing. It will not stand. It will fall. How many of you see that? Why? Because the only thing that makes us any different is that God is with us. That's the only thing. That's how they'll know we're His people is because God is with us, His presence. So anyway, I want to employ you. Are you guys with me? Then I'm going to do something really quickly. I want you to stand. All right? Now, I know we come to church and we think, man, you're supposed to do it all. I'm just kind of here to take a back seat and rest. You know, I don't want to do anything. As you Going to church is over. They don't go to church. Go, where did that come from? What are you talking about go to church? You are the church. You are. Only those who do the will of my Father are those, those that will go to heaven. He, Jesus said, you say, Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say. So it's not being religious. It's being part of the army of God, the Son of God, right? So what are we going to pray? Let's pray this morning. We're going to spoil the principalities and powers in, in the heavenly places. We're going to spoil them. No, you don't have to do it yet. That's later. Part two. All right. You guys with me? Join hands with about five or six people around you or just look, get in a circle. And let's pray. All right. We're going to pray that the schemes or the plans, the, the assault of wickedness that's assigned against our states and, and also mention California because they're taking counsel right now from a former counselor of the last administration. So we're just going to say that all the counsel that's originating out of hell against our cities, against our nation, will fall. It will come to nothing. Every word spoken that is opposed to the word of God over our families, our lives, our, our sons, our daughters, our cities will come to naught. Does that make sense?
All right, you guys pray. Go for it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Hey, just keep praying. I'm going to join you. Lord, we just pray this morning, God, that all of heaven would be loosed in our nation. God, we thank you for what you've done. But, Lord, we're not going to lay down and back up and go back to sleep. We thank you we're an awakened people. And, God, we have a destiny to see a great awakening shake America from sea to shining sea. And we're going to see it. We thank you you're faithful. The work you began in our nation, you're going to complete it. So, God, we stand in the Word. That's our, that's our authority. And we say that the council assigned against our nation, against our states, such as California, shall come to nothing. We cancel every word, every work, every opinion, every work of evil and wickedness we say is spoiled, and we declare the Lordship of Christ. We pray, God, that you, even as the enemy would seek to come in one way, he would flee seven ways, and you would leave a great blessing. Pour out your spirit in our nation, God, in this season and time. Lord, let Moravian Falls be one of the places. And we believe we are. So God, come. Let the rain, let it rain on our nation again, God. Shake the church in America. Awaken the church out of its slumber, not to be a sleeping ain't, but to be the saints of the Most High God. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, release faith in every person in this room and those that are watching this morning, that they'll have faith and passion and a fresh fire to live for you, even in this wicked and adulterous generation. And we give you all the praise and glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give him a, a clap, offering. Bless you, God. And you can be seated. Don't leave yet. <clears throat> Amen. Don't now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do something real quick. I gotta. Gotta do something. But you know, I forgot. In the Isaiah chapter eight, it talks it talks about a sanctuary. You know this thing about the sanctuary cities. Now, some of you are saying, David, you're reading way too much. Listen, it's my revelation. Okay, I'm just sharing it. In verse 14, he will be as a sanctuary. But a stone of stumbling and a rock of, of offense, You'll, he'll either be a sanctuary or a stumbling stone. Now that sanctuary, you look it up, it is the abode of the presence where God is the protector and the provider. Let me, you can create a sanctuary city or a sanctuary campus all you want. If your fear is not in the fear of God, I promise you that sanctuary is going to be penetrated by darkness. The only sanctuary is the safe it to be in His arms and to know that He's with you and been part of His Lordship. Amen. I think that's pretty cool. And He goes on. And look, now you could read the rest. In verse 16, bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. That's what we're doing. And I will wait on the Lord who hides His face from the house of Jacob. I will hope in Him. Here I am. And the children of whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in America. It says Israel. But in my book, it says America. That's what you're for. A sign and a wonder in this generation. Okay, let me recap that. Because I actually, is a lot of stuff. Okay, there are two rivers converging. You're not going to be able to avoid this, okay? We're going to converge with a lot of trouble. Right on time, you'll just have the answer. So one river spells trouble, the other one triumph. I wonder if that's a play on words. I don't know. 
But Jesus said, he said, either you're for me or you're against me, right? And that's the way it's going to be. The church has come to the intersection for such a time to pray, to be light, to be salt, to display strength, to do great exploits, and to cast the nets for the harvest. All right? It's, it's the church that's you, you and I, that have been strategically placed. And then, uh, you know, the sanctuary city, we explained that. If you refuse the river of triumph, then you're going to be overcome in the river of trouble. And it's a natural picture of what God is doing. And it's our hour. And uh, to the degree that we are, he's with us is to the degree that we're with him. In other words, it's the best time to live in the, in the history of mankind. Can I just tell you that? Anybody in agreement? You could have been born 200 years ago. You weren't. You were born for such a time as this. I know we say that a lot, but I'm trying to drill it in people. So when you intersect with some of this stuff and trouble, you'll know you're right on time. And the greater see that's in you. Now, go with me to John. I'm going to take the rest of a, just a few moments and uh, just release something. We're going to pray for people. And I know this is the day of the Super Bowl. In my book, this is the Super Bowl right now. This is it. This is it. It's the Super Bowl. It's what we've been born for. Supernatural. Signs and wonders. This is it. Yeah, we don't even have to have Lady Gaga do the halftime show. We don't need that stuff. We, we have the greatest halftime show. We're not, we don't even need a halftime. It's our time because it's his time. Right, Carolyn? Good to see you. It's your time. It's Bobby's time. That's awesome. All right, John chapter 16. We put on my... Um... Everybody with me? Say, I'm with you. You, you better be. Look, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, and you believe that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See now, you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? In other words, I know what you said you believe, but right now, in what's happening in your life and what you're going to face, will you believe then? In other words, your belief is going to be tested. Right? You said you believed in Him. Okay. Do you believe Him now? You know what I'm talking about? You believe Him on Sunday. Then Monday, when hell breaks loose, where's your faith? That's basically what He's talking about. Verse 32. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, and has now come that you will be scattered even to His own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I remember somebody saying that if you were to sum up everything 
that Jesus taught his disciples, you could sum it up in three things. Now I know, there's, where's the scripture at the end of Luke or the end of John that says that if we had everything that Jesus did, that it's very possible the world could not even contain all the books that would be written. Remember that scripture? But anyway, this really spoke to me that there are three things he taught his disciples. The first thing he said, that you're going to have trouble. The next thing is you will never be alone. And the third thing, you'll always have peace. So that's what I want to just release. And then we're going to pray. And I, I know that you're going to, it's going to lodge in your heart. Because he promised me too that his word will never return void. Never. Never. It will always accomplish the purpose. All that he sends forth out of his mouth will accomplish his purpose. So maybe there's something going to lodge in you, and when you hit that river and everything, you know, just breaks out, you're going to be, you're going to remember, no, I'm not in that river. I'm in this other river, and you can come join me if you want. You can toss the life preserver. But anyway, number one, you're going to have trouble. Gee, why do you have to say that? Because he said it. He said it. He didn't say, notice he said, in the world you will have Tribulation. Do you know the word will in the, some of the earlier translations is not there? Basically what Jesus says, in the world you have trouble. Period. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But then verse 34 says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Remember Paul started these churches and he goes back to the various cities, reminding them, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. Because, he says, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And so we're going to be faced. We're going to... This convergence. It's happening in America right now as we speak. Our son, who just happens to be here, I would have shared this story whether you were here or not. He was born in trouble. I'll tell you what happened. Back, you know, in West Virginia, you, what I make, about 100, a buck 25 or a dollar, I don't know, 125 a week. It wasn't that much. So I substitute taught. I was a pastor. We were obviously married because Joshua was on the way. Yeah, so I'm just trying to remember the story. We were married over a year before this momentous occasion. So I'm, I'm substitute teaching at Barber County High School. You know, Mr. White, come to the office, you have a phone call. So anyway, the baby's two weeks late. And, and we're doing everything we can to get Shirley to have Josh. You know, I'm, Shirley, jump up and down, jump up and down. You know, we're doing this stuff. You know, and I'm, push, pull. No, I didn't do any of that. We didn't do any of that stuff. But I did tell you to walk fast and stuff. And I was trying to help things. But anyway, so they call me. And so they say, you know, I get on the phone. It's my mom. She's got to go home pretty soon. She's spent two weeks or so there. And she says, David, the doctor just said that your, your baby is in trouble. He, his heart stopped. Right? I'm telling it right. 45 seconds. And what do you want us to do? He's in trouble. My, my reaction was, go get him. Go get my son. You know. I, hey, don't wait. They, that was the option. You can wait or you can go get him. Go get my son. Remember, we were both in agreement. And they went and cut him out. And there he is today. So he made it. 
He made it. My son. And it's, you know, Isaiah 8 talked about it was in the land of trouble and anguish. Nevertheless, unto you a son is born, unto you. And, you know, we got to remember the nevertheless. Look what Jesus said. I told you it's going to be quick. you got to listen quick. Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation. But, how many of you glad for the buts? The buts and the nevertheless. Nevertheless are but whichever. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. That's a shout right there. So what? It's a so what? So what? He has overcome the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm not in that river of trouble and chaos. I'm in another river. The river whose city and streams are the I'm telling you, it's just a much better. All right, secondly, you'll never be alone. You've got to remember this. This nation, I can tell you right now, is plagued with people that are lonely. Even in the social media revolution, people are lonely. Because you, on that social media, first of all, you get rejected if somebody doesn't agree with what you just said. But also, you can't look at them eye to eye. Now, you can, I know, if you Facebook, whatever, FaceTime, all that stuff. But it's still not the same. People are lonely. They're lonely. You can be in the crowd. I guarantee you, if the statistics are right, there's a bunch of folks in here right now sitting in this crowd that are lonely. They're lonely. But you're never alone. You might have some loneliness. But if you know Jesus, you're never alone. That's what they said to him. They said in verse uh, 32, and with, you will leave me alone. Jesus was alone. And yet, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. The Father's with me. Just say, God's with me. He's with me. Listen, that's the only hope for our nation, is God is with us. And we're the people who can claim that. So that means we're already starting out above ground. We're already, there's a disadvantage. We have Almighty God with us. Listen, when you face stuff, you're not facing it alone. You're facing it with an almighty God that not only created it, but he created both rivers, by the way. And those that refuse, they get in one, but you've not refused, you've accepted. And let me tell you, there's grace and there's peace and there's hope. So say, I'm never going to be alone. You can be in a jail cell in the middle of outer Mongolia. I don't even know if there is. A, is there an outer Mongolia? I don't even know. I've always heard you guys have been there. All right, tell me, was God with you when you were in outer Mongolia? He was with you. You might end up someday in a cell. You know, you don't know. I don't, hey, all I know is you're going to have trouble and you're never going to be alone. So you can overcome in it. And then the next thing, you'll always have peace. How do I know? Because Jesus said it. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, there are two types of peace. There's peace with God. You know, every man and woman, before they surrender to Jesus, they are at odds with God, right? Enmity. They're in a war. They're not going to win. They're going to lose, but they're in a war. They're demanding their own way. But um, we need to make peace. And Jesus did that. Verse Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace, who has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
And then it goes on in Ephesians, talks about his death and resurrection, that he might reconcile men to God through the cross, putting to death the enmity, which is the deep-rooted hatred. You seen any hatred on the streets today in America? That's all. It's a spiritual battle. Their hatred is not, their hatred is for God. And God sent his son to break the middle wall. And to establish peace. For he himself, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. So how do you gain peace with God? How do you do it? You surrender. You, you just throw your hands up. I surrender. I surrender. How many of you, you remember the time when you surrendered? And you just keep surrendering, don't you? How do you keep your peace? You know, you say, well, that peace, you just keep surrendering. Because he said, I, I'm going to give you. And then the next thing is you have peace of God. Because that's what we want to end on. Look in chapter 14, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. How many of you know he's not, a, he's not the kind of God that gives you something and then takes it back? Or he dangles it, you know. Hey, here, you, yeah, you know. No, that's not the way. He doesn't do that. He says, I give to you, not as the world do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. So what are those three things he taught? If you could sum it up, and I know that, you know, there's so many more things, but he, he said these things. Number one, you're going to have trouble. Trouble and anguish. Nevertheless, a light shone in the darkness. A child was born. You've got to read the whole context. Chapter 8, chapter 9. I'm glad they taught me that. That's one thing they taught me in that school in New Orleans. Read it in its context and God will speak to you, young man. More to it. And you stick with the revelation. It's the greatest revelation. And it's the only revelation that's going to save America. It's God's Word. So you'll have trouble. Secondly, you'll never be alone. We're going to smash loneliness in this place. All right? Because I know there's folks that are lonely. We're going to pray in a minute, break that stuff off. I think it could be a spirit. I don't know. Just, oh, actually, maybe normal. But you're never alone. You may be lonely. You're never alone. And then you'll always have peace. Amen. Amen. Some of you need peace today. You've got to have peace. I'm telling you. You're not in a, I know we're in a war, but we're in a war that's already been won. It's a rigged fight. This fight has been rigged. Jesus is the champion. He won. And I know we're still engaged. You've got to engage from a standpoint of victory. You know, you've got to have hope rooted in the truth. Not some lie from the devil. A lie from hell. Just send the lie back where it came from. And stand. And in the evil day, stand. Is it going to get more evil? Absolutely. Some people think it's going to get better and better and better and better. I'm sorry, that's not what I read in the Bible. Evil men will grow worse and worse, deceiving, being deceived, and all this stuff. But in the midst of one river, another river is going to break out and cover the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So let's just stand. I want to pray, first of all, for those that are lonely, and then we're going to, Tell you how you ultimately get rid of that loneliness, all right? Is you just receive the one who wants to be with you. In fact, let's just bow our heads for a moment.
How many of you would say this morning, I am struggling with loneliness. I, I have struggled with it for years. I, it's just part of my, sometimes I, get, I escape it, but it's still there. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. whole bunch of folks. We're going to break that stuff. Okay? I want God to just insert within you the faith that He's with you. And that when you face that loneliness, you'll say, I'm alone, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. So, Lord, I pray right now and I break off the loneliness. In Jesus' name, I ask you to release the faith that is stamped on their heart that when they face those moments, they'll know, I may be lonely, but I'm not alone. The Father is with me. God is with me. And I ask you to bring peace and I ask you to smash it, Lord. Smash the loneliness. And break it off. People watching right now, we break it in the name of Jesus that is the greater name than any name. And at His name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But then also, to know that you're not alone, you have to have peace with God. And it only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. To have a personal relationship with Him, you have to surrender your life. And um, I know there are people that come the people that watch that have never yet yielded, surrendered completely. It's like Billy Graham when he said there are many people in America, they have just enough religion that they've been inoculated from the real thing. And I want to I uncork that. I want to take, I want to break it off. The inoculation. And I pray for the conviction of the, no man can come to him unless he draws you. But He creates that hunger and that thirst. It's a void that only God Himself can fill. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, first, you've got you to be drawn. And then secondly, you just say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. You rose again, and I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. His death covers all of our sin. Though you were, your sins are red as scarlet, yet they shall be white as snow. Is anybody here today, I can't get on the web, but is anybody here, you say, man, I don't know if I know Jesus or not. I want you to pray for me. I want to know that I know that I know. I've been doubting or I'm just not sure. I want to know. Would you pray? Anybody? I want to know. Well, let's pray right now out loud, okay? You guys pray as a reconfirmation, but if you want to know Him, just pray this as He's drawing you and speaking to you. All I know is when I was a young kid, Man, my heart was beaten out of its chest. You remember? How many of you remember that? Man, I had to know this God. So just pray, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that He is the Son of the living God. He is God in the flesh. And He died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I confess that I'm a sinner nothing I can do to fix my life but I trust in you and I surrender all and I make you the Lord of my life and I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit and with power that I could live for you and be all you've called me to be Lord let me grow up fast and grow in all things Thank you. Now help me to confess you and let other people know what you've done in my life. And so, Lord, I pray also for miracles.
God, I thank you what's going to happen Friday night. I thank you now in advance. It's almost like we've been waiting for a young man like this. Is he a young man? Yeah, good. Thank you, God, for sending him from Mozambique. We're going to grab hold of that night. Lord, put people on our hearts that we can invite, the lost, the sick. And Lord, we just believe you. So thank you, God. But right now, we're going to pray for miracles. Our guys, some of our ministry team will be here. Come on up, our ministry guys. You guys come up. I think instead of having prophetic ministry, we're just going to minister around the altar, pray for people. And uh, so if you need prayer, need a miracle, you come. Go ahead, let these guys break out.